What's up, everybody? Dark Side here. Obviously, no Moto X Pod show this week. No race this past weekend. But I got a special podcast for all you music lovers out there. You guys all know how I feel about my rock and roll. So I'm going to do a little podcast tonight uh, brought to you by Cherubies USA, Race Tech, and Fly Racing all on board for the Moto X Pod show. I want to thank those guys. But yeah, you guys heard that intro coming in. That was Angel of Death by a band out of Dallas that I love. I'm pretty sure I've played some of their stuff before and mentioned them. It's Mothership, Dallas rock and roll band, three-piece, lead singer, bass player, Kyle Jewett, his brother Kelly Jewett on guitar and vocals, and uh, their drummer, Judge Smith. But as I said, I'm a huge fan of these guys. I jam them all the time. Uh, Check them out, man. On iTunes, they have three albums. Their self-titled Mothership album, L.I., Lee, not positive. I should have asked the actual title name of that one. And High Strangeness. Uh, check their stuff out, man. Give them some support. Uh, but I had a chance to meet Kyle at a show they did in Dallas. And then I bumped into him a couple weeks ago at another show. And we just, man, he said something about doing a podcast. I had mentioned doing a podcast and he wanted to come on. So I'm excited to do this, man. Stay tuned for Kyle Jewett with Motorship. All right, as previously mentioned, I am here with the lead singer and bass player of my one of my favorite bands, Mothership, Kyle Jewett. What's up, dude? Hey, how's it going, man? Doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good. I've been looking forward to this for a little while, man. So, well, since you mentioned cool. it, actually, a couple weeks ago at the Corrosion of Conformity Ministry show, I was like, hell yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah, I was pretty drunk then that night. I was like, damn, what did I, what did I sign my ass up for when you texted me? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right. All right. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was pretty aware that you were a little lit, and you might mm-hmm. not admit what you said, but I was like, fuck it. No, I did. It was a great idea, but I mean, I'm just glad you, th- you followed through with it, because I, I would have forgot for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, man. So, um, all right, we're going to start from the beginning, I guess. As a kid, man, did you grow up in like a musical household? What's your first memories of music? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, uh, you know, music was always a big part of our lives growing up. I mean, uh, we weren't really playing music as kids, but, you know, like my dad would always be buying us like, you know, rock CDs and he had records and Christmas time we'd get CDs in our stockings and boom boxes and we were always listening to music. And so from a very early age, I, mean, I can always just remember the music being super loud in the house and <laughs> we were playing air guitar and rocking out and wrestling with my dad. And, you know, so, I mean, even though we weren't playing, it was, it had a very big impact on our lives. Um, And then, you know, as we got older as kids, we were making burning CDs and making CDs for each other and handing them to friends and burning CDs when that shit was cool, you know? And, uh, And then we started going to concerts you know, and our dad would take us to concerts and we'd get to experience what it was like to go watch a rock band play and take all that in. So, you know, at a young age, like we didn't, we didn't come from like a, you know, a musically trained household where someone was playing instruments, but I think the seed was set pretty early where we were pretty excited about music and playing it and, you know, everything that goes along with it. We were watching Beavis and Butthead and Headbanger, <laughs> Headbangers Ball. And oh, that's funny. Went, wanted to be in a band in middle school acting you know just thinking about how cool it would be and putting posters on our walls and you know we did we did a lot of the, a lot of stuff that a lot of kids did but yeah you know um you know i just think that you know music could just kind of for us it, it was just everywhere i mean we'd go play sporting events we'd make the walkout music we'd do all that shit so That's right. you know what i mean oh, yeah. but yeah so it was cool man i mean like you know we've learned a lot about the stuff we liked and what we didn't like at a very young age. Yeah. So I've got a couple questions based off your answer, but I have to say first, I'm supposed to interview Ricky Rackman on Thursday. You mentioned Headbangers Ball. I'm pretty, I grew up with that. I'm obviously a little bit older than you. So I kind of remember some of the early days of Headbangers Ball and uh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked yeah. talking to Ricky. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. If he I answers, am- he's not very good at responding. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, Hopefully it gets better. Yeah, yeah. But going back, so do you remember like the first CD you got, or do you remember like the first band that really caught your attention that was like, okay, wow, this is something different? You know, that's pretty funny, man, because uh, we met at the COC show, and yeah. we've got a lot of history with COC in the past, you know, five, six years. Um, 
I just, I really remember like one of my, the one CD that stood out to me was Deliverance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got it in my stocking. And I'm pretty sure my dad was more excited about that CD than I was because at the time I didn't know who the fuck they were. Yeah. And my dad, my dad's like, you need, you need to listen to this. And you know, if you're not going to listen to it, I'm going to listen. You know what I mean? Kind of one of those things. And <laughs> I, so I did I was that like, to my right. son. Yeah. 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 I'm like, all right, man, I'll listen to it. You know? and, uh, <laughs> and it's crazy because that I wore that fucking album out. I probably bought it like three or four times wow. like in middle school and shit. <laughs> you know, you give it to a friend, friend takes it and it's gone forever. Um, yeah. And, uh, that was one, that was one for me that, you know, I think the music that era, you know, the nineties stuff, uh, Alice in Chains, COC, um, you know, the Metallica stuff, um, you know, that for me was like a lot of shit that just got me like really pumped up, you know? And like, uh, so I, I kind of resonate with that era of rock music than any of the other eras. As I got older, I went back and educated myself on the 60s and 70s and shit like that but you know being a teenager and you know basically just being a teenager in the 90s you know what i mean um all that shit was was everywhere and i loved it you know um so yeah that was probably the one but we got all kinds of shit dude i got we got white zombie cds for i mean that fucking lost exorcisto album from white zombie is fucking heavy man i, I mean there's some on drums yeah, dude. I mean, that's a heavy album. I mean, a lot of people only know him for more human than the human and yeah, all that shit. But I mean, like you dive in, like they've got you know some some heavy shit. Um, so yeah, man. I mean, like a lot, a lot of I remember getting those CDs, and it was always cool because we knew we'd get them at Christmas, and they'd you know they'd be in the stockings. Yeah, you know, Santa, Santa would bring the rock CDs, man. <laughs> that's fantastic, man. I, yeah, you're again. You're a little younger than I am, so I I kind of got my musical interest in the mid '80s with you know the quote unquote hair bands, but then develop you know grew into the Panteras and the Corrosions and all that as I was you know a teenager. So yeah, and like it, Cowboys from Hell was a big one too. I mean, yeah, I remember getting that that album. I mean, I just think the '90s. Like, I just kind of feel like that's when like I started you know like sixth seventh grade really starting to like hear what i was into as far as music goes and then you know I'd, I'd, they'd have an interview and they talk about some band they listened to or were inspired from and then i would go listen to that band and you know kind of just do my own little rabbit hole research you know back in the day with no internet of course you know yeah yeah it's, it's a lot of all, word of mouth all word of mouth and radio shows and, yep you know that's that's about it uh, and your brother Kelly, who plays lead guitar and, and vocals, uh, was he into the same kind of music? I mean, obviously you're in a hard rock band now, but were the were the were there like differences of, of um, fanship towards bands, or or was it pretty much all the same for you guys? Yeah, I think so, man. I think we had differences. Um, you know, like when we were younger, we listened to a lot of the same stuff, but as we started kind of getting our own personalities, um, I think he like. He was always more into like the Hendrix and the ACDC and, uh, you know, he liked a lot of the blues stuff and that was what he really, really enjoyed. And I like that stuff. I love ACDC, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I think he, he kind of resonated more with those and, you know, I kind of kept, you know, my roots in like some of the heavy, heavy nineties stuff and, um, you know, and like black Sabbath, of course. And, but we always, we, we love ZZ Top. I mean, from Texas, so I mean, like, how could you not be into ZZ Top? And, you know, we, we've always just kind of been into a lot of different things. You know, Mothership was never about trying to sound like one band. We just had so many influences. And, you know, that's what made writing music cool is because we maybe we listened to ZZ Top on the way to practice, or maybe we were listening to Black Sabbath on the way to practice, or, you know, like anything could come out in a writing session with us because we were all just into a lot of different shit. Yeah. I definitely have a lot of questions about writing and your influences. I want to get to before that, just growing up, like in school, did you guys play any instruments in band? You know, were you, did you, you know, any percussion or just any, any kind of instruments at all? Or were you, did you stay away from that? No. Yeah. I mean, we weren't, we we didn't really know anyone that was in bands. Okay. I mean like school band, um, like trumpet. Oh no, 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 man. We didn't do any of that. Um, yeah, no, we, we, uh, my brother, he, he actually ended up, um, in college. He, 
you, you probably have to talk to him to get all the actual details on it. But really, I mean, he, he was like conducting like a full blown, like symphony at one point. Oh, that's I mean, cool. Yeah. You know, he just could read, write music. He just went, you know, he went to school for that shit. And, and it's really helpful when we're trying to, you know, hash out the songs and stuff. And, um, you know, it's got to make sense. It's got to speak like a language. You know, you can't just yep. have shit all over the place. You got to have some sort of structure and it's got to, it's got to talk and it's got to make sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, no, man, we didn't do it. We, we just kind of, you know, we played a lot of sports growing up. We okay. did a lot of, played a lot of, you know, baseball, soccer. Um, like I said earlier, you know, we made playlists for all that shit. So we get fired <laughs> up and just go out in the field and start trying to fuck somebody up. Or do something. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I love it, man. I love it. Uh, I, you know, I race, <laughs> race motorcycles and like, hell, I still, I, I actually ride with an iPod. Like I have earbuds inside my helmet set up. So I ride mm-hmm. with like a little iPod, man. And actually a lot of your stuff is on my moto playlist. So when I'm riding, I'm listening to like you guys and the sword and Pantera and Yes, but that's funny. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, that shit, you know, music's like a soundtrack. Man. Yeah. Everybody, everybody has that, you know, go-to stuff and they want to get pumped up or going on a ride or really whatever. I mean, music's in everybody's life every day. Yeah, it's know? tied to a lot so. of memories, I think. For people that really like music, there's certain moments in my youth, my childhood that stand out due to a song. Or, you know, like, I'm like, oh, that happened when this song was playing. I think that's the beauty of music when people, you know, not everybody's really into music, but the people that are really into music, like it just, it's, it's part of your life. Like you can't really imagine life without it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's just, there's so many different genres of music and types of music. I mean, I think, I think I mean, it's hard to, hard to say how many people are into music, but I would say like a good majority of the entire population of the planet are into some kind of music. Yeah. You know I would what I'm think saying? So, yeah. And like, whether they're listening to their car or some crazy wicked tribal shit going on in another <laughs> yeah. country that's like, you know, part of their culture and shit. Like, yeah. I mean, music, music, it's a, uh, it transcends, man. It's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty Absolutely. cool to be doing that. Uh, so when do you guys start picking up uh, instruments? Who's the first one to pick up an instrument? Uh, that would be me. Um, yeah, I... I basically just self-taught myself how to play bass. Um, I had made a couple of friends that were into uh, playing in different bands. And, um, you know, I just I just really didn't know how to go about doing that. You know, I was just kind of like really, like, how do you start? Do I just start out being a singer? Do I just do this? Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's all these different things. And, um yeah, so I started, I self-taught myself how to play bass, and I was just learning, like, little, maybe, like, Metallica riff, or, um, you know, just just figuring out how to play the bass, and I'm sure it, it's probably unorthodox as fuck, like, the way I play it, you know, and how my brain works around the instrument, but that's what goes with self-teaching yourself things, you know, um, so I got, I picked it up and started jamming around on it, and um, you know, like tried to move out to California and do the whole band thing. And that didn't really work out and ended coming back up to, uh, back home. And I just applied to this ad for a band in Denton, um, which is North of Dallas. Yeah. And they were looking for a bass player. And I was kind of like, you know, they're like, you know, must have professional equipment, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I got all that shit. I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have all that shit. You know what I mean? And, uh, I just wanted a chance to go jam with some guy and see what that felt like. And that was really cool, man. Um, yeah, I didn't really feel, you know, nervous at all. I just felt really natural. And, uh, so I ended up gigging with that band. We just did local stuff. And, um, my brother came out and watched me play a show one time and he was, and I think, you know, I can't, it's a long fucking time ago, but it was kind of like, I want to do that. You know, it's older brothers in the band and playing on stage and shit. And, uh, yeah. And so he, he went, he said he wanted to do it and he did it. And, you know, here we are. That's so <laughs> you know, cool. So. Right? Yeah. That you just, wow. It, it's, it's so interesting how that stuff happens. Cause I have zero, I mean, literally Kyle, zero music ability. Um, well, I mean, I, I didn't either. And I mean, neither did my brother when we said we wanted to really embark on it. I mean, he went and changed everything that he was doing in his life to focus around learning how to play guitar. Yeah. But you have and, to have um, that 
thing. You have to hear music. Like I can hear a song and I, I can hum along with it, but once the song's over, I can't even repeat it very well. Like I just don't have an ear for it. And it's always mm-hmm. bummed me out because a lot of my friends are in bands. I mean, you know Kevin Blaylock. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, the band My Remains was big here when I was in out of high school. And our buddy Monty that played with Kevin is now playing for Madonna and ministry right now. And, like, going and watching them play and watching them rehearse and watching them write songs, I was just always so jealous. Because, that, like, if I had one Magic Genie wish, it'd be able to, I want to play guitar. You know, but yeah. I just don't have it, and, and, and <clears throat> well, there, I have to live through guys like you. There's a lot of work that goes into it yeah, too, you know, true. for writing stuff and uh, you know, and getting better, and and you know, and making forcing yourself to become a better musician by playing with other people or doing something to to get better, where you're not re, you know just rewriting the same stuff. You know, you got to continue to evolve your craft and. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I just think, you know, I I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of the type of person where I feel like if you want to do something bad enough and you focus on doing it, you know, even if you think you don't have talent or not, I think you can figure out a way to, you know, figure out something, you know, if you do it, do it enough and you jam with people. But, you know, I mean, I don't really know. Uh, you know, yeah, it's all I've ever, it's all I've ever done in my life. Right. Really, and you're probably you know, right. Like, so if I, yeah, if I'd put enough time and effort into it and had that passion that maybe I would have figured out and obviously I'm a quitter, Kyle, I'm a quitter. No, I mean, I, <laughs> hey, hey man, I don't know about that. It sounds like you're doing pretty good. So. I'm doing all right. Yeah. I mean, I found, I found my thing, so that's cool. Yeah. I think that's it. Music is, you know, it's just, it's our thing, man. Yeah. It's, it's our baby. And well, you know. I'm so glad that Kevin turned me on to you guys, man. I remember we were out riding BMX bikes, and I think he had one of your shirts on or maybe the hat, and it, and he mentioned you guys. And I was like, oh, uh, maybe he pulled it up on YouTube, and I was like, oh, wow, I like that. And then I just – I got obsessed with you guys, like, instantly. I downloaded – well, actually downloaded four albums because there was another Mothership album that I thought was you guys because it looked like it could be by the album cover, and it wasn't. But – <laughs> from iTunes, but I downloaded your three albums and I was like, where have these guys been all my life? Like I was instantly obsessed with the band and I'm going to get to that, but I want to still stick with the early days of like just you and your brother. Went, so you're jamming with this band and out of Denton, your brother wants to play, he picks up a guitar. When does mothership or the earliest uh, incarnation of mothership form? Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that um, you know we're starting to get the years are starting to grow, man. So it's like trying <laughs> to go back and, but you know, we were playing. We finally ended up playing in a band together, and um, and like that band was kind of coming to an end, and like my brother and I were wanting to write some different kind of stuff, a little more rooted in like the heavier shit, the Sabbathy kind of shit, mm-hmm. the Sabbath, the heavy, easy top stuff. A lot of the stuff off our first album, kind of jam, you know. Um, <clears throat> And I think that was like, I think that was like 2010. I think that was like early 2010 is when we kind of started like, or maybe summer of 2010, um, when we started to, you know, start writing the early Mothership demo stuff. Um, And so at the time, like it was just my brother and I, and we had, you know, quit the project we were in. And uh we had just moved like our PA and everything back into my dad's house. And we were just kind of riffing around at the house coming up with ideas. And, um, you know, my dad, he, he's a drummer. So, um, yeah, he started playing drums, you know, pretty late, you know, he wasn't a drummer whenever we were kids, mm-hmm. but when we started picking up instruments, he picked up one and we would jam and have great times and drink pitchers of margaritas and get fucked up eating Mexican food and come back to the house and play these insane three-hour jam sessions at my dad's house that, you know, we've, I don't even know if we actually really truly recorded any of that, but, you know, it's definitely locked away in our memories. Um, but yeah, so anyways, we kind of just told him that, hey, I'm going to book a show. This is the, new, the name of our new band, and uh, you're playing drums. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> yeah, he just told him how it was. I like mm-hmm. it. I like it. And, uh, yeah, he came in and we were just like, all right, well, let's just try to get like four or five, four songs, let's get a cover and that's enough to play a set. Well, we ended up actually just learning a bunch of covers and we ended up doing a lot of, 
like biker parties. That's kind of what we, how we got our foot in the door in the whole motorcycle industry and culture and whatnot. Um, we were playing like Harley Davidson dealerships on Saturdays doing the four hour gigs. Wow. And, um, you know, we're covering everything from like, you know, Pat Travers and, you know, ZZ Top. And, uh, we're doing some really B side rare shit. Freddie King doing some B side ACDC stuff, some Ted Nugent. Like, it's a party. We were playing a party set. I mean, we were fucking, we were rocking. But the funny thing was, is they always told us that we can't play original songs. And we were like, all right, well, fuck you. We're going to play an original song or two. You know what I mean? Like, we yeah, drag- in the middle. So we've always put it, you know, we, we strategically place it somewhere between like, you know, LaGrange and, you know, Cat Scratch Fever or some shit. Yeah. But it was that the funny thing is when we knew we were onto something is when you'd have these like, you know, grizzled old biker dudes that come up to you at, in the middle middle of like a break between your sets and be like, hey, man, what was the name of that, that one fucking song that you guys played after that ZZ Top song? You know, and like, of course, we'd be like, oh, that's one of ours, man. Here's our demo, blah, blah, blah. So we were kind of like bootlegging the promoters and shit in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> You know, telling them we're going to, but you know, we never stopped. We never announced that it was an original song. We never said anything like that. We were pretty smart about it, but a lot of people got hip to it pretty quick, you know? And then, so, you know, we did, did that for a few months and then we just booked an original show and, and just kept growing from there, man. You know, we've always just kind of kept trying to evolve and, you know, just keep trying to progress and doing the next chapter of, whatever this tale is that we started, you know, a decade ago, pretty much. Yeah. Progressing. I mean, that's, yeah, I think I tell a lot of people, I've got friends that are in cover bands. I'm like, that's cool, man. If you just want to, you know, you play your local bar and then people are going to come out and they're going to drink and have a good time. But if you really want to do anything, you got to do original stuff. I mean, and, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, it just depends on what you want to do with me. Sure. Really. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of buddies that toured for a long, for many years that just decided they want to stay home and, They'll go make like five, six hundred bucks on the weekend doing some cover stuff for fun. Yep. I mean, hey, you know, you saw the world, you toured, you did all the original shit, and now you don't feel like doing it. I mean, hey, at least you're still playing music of some sort. Yeah, you know? definitely. You still earn a living playing music, man. That's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you talked about going out to LA or at you know at one point, and it didn't really work out, and then of course now we're, we're into the point where you you got Mothership going. What were you aware of how? difficult the music industry had gotten at that point of like you're just starting out and at that point it's really probably about the time the music industry really started taking a shit um mm-hmm. you know like the 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 <clears throat> labels the real record companies weren't really the money wasn't there anymore really and or not that maybe there really ever was a lot of those bands got kind of screwed in the 80s and 90s but it was just really difficult to earn a living especially i think in the 90s when all the downloading came out and all that uh was that ever anything you had to deal with or was it kind of just you weren't even worried about that at that time. Yeah, I mean, we really it was really off our radar because yeah. we weren't even to the point where we were even, you know, looking for a record deal or, you know. I mean, obviously, we knew that it wasn't going to be like it was in the 80s and 90s where it's just like, you know, times had changed and we understood that. Um, but we were just, like, very focused on being, like, road dogs, man. Mm-hmm. Like, we just wanted to go out and, like, play live and travel and tour and stay on the road and live on the road. And that was kind of what we were really just hard nosed to do from the beginning was like, let's get to a point where we could get a van and trailer and get the fuck out of here, you know? Um, And then like, you know, and then along the way you had like the record deals come and stuff like that. Um, But I do remember when we first started, like, I mean, it was there a lot of the bands that kind of came out of retirement and, you know, we're making good money doing it again now and putting out new albums and stuff like that. Like, I mean, we came, we started playing. I mean, there were a lot of those bands weren't even doing anything, yeah. you know? Um, and as we, we toured for a few years, every, you know, like little festivals started popping up here and there. Um, you know, all of a sudden this band's out of retirement. All of a sudden this band's out of, you know what I mean? So, um, so it was kind of cool to see, like, you know, kind of it be like a barren wasteland there for a while where we were just out playing whatever, you know, motorcycle garage or <laughs> punk rock party or, you know, or, or bar or wherever would let us play. And then started kind of seeing, you know, everything kind of realign itself. Um, you know, cool bars popping up, venues popping up, um, you know, bigger bands popping up that, you know, we 
kind of befriended and got on some tours that way. And, um, but we never really got too caught up in worrying about all that shit, man. Honestly, like, yeah, it's probably we've always known, we've, we've always known we were in control of our own destiny and we're going to, we're going to do it, you know, just, just kind of how we've done it. You know what I mean? Like we haven't really relied on anyone really to, um, you know, like, like manage our career, if you will, yeah. or some shit, you know what I mean? Like we've kind of just, when we needed some time, we kind of just felt it and we took time, you know, uh, when we needed to, you know, we needed to put out a record. We felt like we had enough shit to say. It was time to put out a record. We never really been on this same agenda as, you know, what I feel like a lot, a lot of the music industry has, has been on for a long time. Yeah. You know? It kind of becomes so. a machine. You're like, all right, make an album tour, make, try to make some money, make an album tour. Yeah. And it sounds like you guys just want to play music and whether, whatever comes, comes. Yeah. And I mean, we do like, you know, doing all those things, but I just feel like the, it, we kind of stayed stress free by not yeah. worrying like, all right, well, you know, we got to do all this stuff and, you know, and, and, you know, maybe in the beginning we, we said like, Oh, we want to put on an album every single year and do all this stuff. And, <laughs> Um, you know, but then I think as we started putting out records and realizing like we, we did want to put out good quality shit, you know, and not just like spitting out a record every year just to spit something out, you know, we wanted to like, you know, take our time and, you know, like since the last record we put out in 2017, like we've been through a lot of shit, each one of us in our own lives and, um, global shit and all the stuff that's happened. So I think we're kind of starting to pick up all these crazy little pieces that have been kind of strewn out everywhere and we're starting to piece together some cool stuff. Oh, so. cool. Good to hear. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about the future of mothership and albums in a minute. So we'll I'll definitely come back to that. I do want to ask you like kind of what you were talking about, right? You're doing your own, doing things your own way and not really worrying about the machine of like a, a you know, a record label or whatever. It also kind of, I guess it could have a negative effect to some degree because it's harder to get people aware of your band. Like I was lucky that my buddy Kevin was a fan of yours and knew you guys. That's how I discovered you because mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't listen to local radio. Like I don't even listen to radio anymore. If I listen to music, it's either from my iPod or Sirius XM, you know, Octane or something like that. So it, there's probably tons and tons of great bands out there that I would never even hear of if not for friends, including bands like the sword Sasquatch, all these bands that I've just heard through word of mouth, but it's not like it was when I was growing up, right? We had dial MTV and, you know, headbangers ball, like you mentioned, and all these bands record labels were pushing these bands out there where people could hear it. So you guys have to spread the word by going out and gigging, as you said, but I'm sure, I guess what I'm getting at, I'm sure you, you wish you could reach more people and it's not easy in this day and age. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is, it's a, you know, you would think with the internet and everything being at everybody's fingertips that it would be easy, but what you really have is you have this set, you know, you have so much going on, yeah. you know, and like there's so much to listen to and there's so many new bands and there's so many albums that come out and, you know, it may not even be a thing of someone not liking it or want to hear it. It's just like, maybe somebody is just, you know, not tuned into the wavelength, you know? And, um, yeah. So we just thought in the beginning, we're like, Oh, if we just take it on the road and people see us and they tell a friend, we were kind of old school in that sense of like, you know, keep making it word of mouth for people like, Hey man, you can't miss this band. And honestly, like that really worked for us, you know, like, I mean, people, you know, we, we toured a lot of B markets and C markets and places where a lot of bands don't even go. And, you know, and these people that normally would have to drive like 45 minutes to an hour to an A market like Dallas or Houston or something like that, we actually went and played like their local little shitty bar and put on like a show as if we were playing in those big cities. And people really liked that. They respected that, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, like, again, you just can't focus on those things. I feel yeah, like... I it's a it's a long grind, man. I mean, like regardless, there isn't really an easy way to do it. I mean, there's so many factors that come into play when you're a musician, and a lot of it has to do with life. You know, like there's a lot of things going on around you that is not, you know, really lined up with what you have in mind. Like you've got, you know, friends are happening, life is happening, things are happening, and then you're trying to stay, you know, focused and doing this band stuff and kind of living in your own bubble. You know, and like. Um, <clears throat> 
you know, it's just, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And it takes a lot, you know, it's like the, you know, Bon Scott, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll and, and no one really knows how long you're ever going to be on top. You know what I mean? Or if you make it to the top or what is the top, you know, is, is, is it a million record sales? Is it, is it successfully doing a tour? Like what is the top? And I think each band has a different definition of what their quote unquote top is, you know? So I mean, for us, we're just like, man, this is badass. We get to travel all over the world and play in a fucking band and people pay us to do it. And we're making all these new fans that don't even speak fucking English. And we're tra- seeing the country and seeing all kind of cool stuff just because we're playing music and playing, you know. And so that, you know, we that's we got to do a lot of really cool stuff, you know, before the world changed in right. 2020, yeah. you know, and like. So now there's a lot of unknowns. We haven't been on tour since 2020. Like we don't really know what it's like out there after, you know, everything that's happened in the past few years. So, you know, it's like, I'm glad we got to do what we did before, you know, all that came down. Yeah, definitely. It seems like it's starting to come back. I mean, obviously we saw each other at that show the other night and, uh, here. Yeah, that felt good. That was a cool show. It felt good to see a lot of people and it did feel the energy was good. I liked it. Yeah, and then the the night before, in the town right by where I live, in Tyler, Texas, there's a new place called Country River Club, I think is what it's called. And the night before, I went and saw Candlebox and a Longview band called Post Profit. And the week before that, we went and saw Clutch there. And mm-hmm. Black Label's coming there. So, man, we got to get you over to that, that place, man. That's- yeah, that's cool. I mean, see, again, like, and that just goes back to what I'm saying is, is like, you know, two years after everything happened, places have closed, new ownerships come up, yep. bought new places. Like the whole landscape is completely different from a band like us who was very, you know, um, you know, I booked a lot of our stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like we didn't, we didn't really start getting booking agents till, you know, 2017, 2018 ish, you know, like, you know, and a lot of the times, we were just making connections and maybe meeting a guy who could book like these few regions, you know, and then piecing that together with this over here and trying to put together some sort of battle plan with, you know, limited resources, you know, and now all those places that we knew like, Oh, this is the best place. We need to play this on a Thursday or we got to play this town on a Friday. or This is surprisingly a good Tuesday night show. You know what I mean? Places yeah. like that. Now some of them don't even exist anymore, you know, and a lot of the bands we played with, don't play anymore or you know have, have you know dispersed um so really like lately i've just been kind of doing like a little recon work and just like sending out some feelers and be like hey what's this all about hey what's going on in your neck of the woods hey you know and trying to kind of get my bearings of what it's looking like yeah i mean because yeah obviously you can't go like you can't have somebody call you, hey, come up here to you know Little Rock and play the show. I mean, I guess you could, but you'd like to string a couple shows together at a time to make you yeah. know to make it worthwhile. And yeah, that takes a lot of yeah. I can see where that would take a lot of time and connections and yeah, with the, the coming off. I mean, we want to go ahead. If we we're going to go on the road, we want to play some shows. Yeah, you know, unless yeah. we're going to unless we're going to fly into a place and fly back home, which that happens a lot. But you know, if we're going to someone wants to book us and we want to drive, then we're going to put together a little string string of shows to get up there and come back. Yeah, hopefully it's going to start picking up for you guys because I definitely I want to come see you guys play again. I only got to see the one time, and uh, it was damn sure a good time. Let's talk about the songs, man. Um, I'm always interested. Again, I told you, you know, I kind of grew up with my buddies and bands, and I'd go up there to where they rehearsed, you know, and sometimes it would just start with the bass player and the drummer, Kevin, they'd just start playing something, and then Chris, the singer, would come in, and he'd just start humming something, and before you know it, they have a song. Sometimes Chris would write lyrics and they'd write a song around it. So like, do you guys have a particular method or like, I assume you write most of the lyrics or maybe it's both of you guys kind of just talk about your songwriting. Yeah. I mean, we, we pretty much all three come together when we're writing music. Um, <clears throat> we do a lot of like recording, recording, like on our phones, mm. you know, jams and stuff like ideas. Well, you know, Kelly will start a riff or, you know, I'll start a baseline or whatever. And then we'll kind of get to a point where we're grooving it together and then we'll stop. All right. Hey, let's do that again. Let's loop that. Okay, cool. Boom, boom, boom. Let's add something to it. We'll record it, you know, and then we have it. We have the idea, right? Yeah. So we, we write a lot of really, we could write a whole bunch of good ideas in one rehearsal session. 
Um, and then we can go back and we can listen to it. And then, you know, sometimes we write the whole song. It just, there's really no, you know, we, we really um, don't do lyric stuff until we get the full song done. Um, it's where we can, you know, we're pretty close to getting the song done. And then we can kind of hum some melodies in different places. Maybe the verse extends because I want to sing a little bit more. Or maybe mm-hmm. the chorus comes a little later. Or maybe the Kelly blisters the solo for another 12 fucking measures you know what i'm saying like i mean like little <laughs> things like that you know uh, that's that's like, hilarious you know, yeah and that, th- those are the things that you know after playing together for over 10 years and you know um yeah it's just you know again it's just all about your your vibe of the day and like i said some days it could be kind of a chiller more song maybe everything's instrumental maybe it's like a heavy rock and roll song. Maybe it's motorhead day. Maybe mm-hmm. it's easy top day, you know? Um, and then once we get all these ideas, like this is what we have right now. This is the situation we're in right now. It's like, we had a whole bunch of really good shit demoed before 2020 happened. And when 2020 happened, it threw everything into fucking chaos as we all know. And, but these songs have just been chilling for two years. And when we just kind of been kind of trimming the fat off all that shit lately, and uh, <clears throat> and they all stand up. Like, we still like them as much as we did. And so I'm like, I think we really got something here with these songs because we're not looking at them like, oh, well, you know, we're in a different place now. Or maybe we could write something a little... Like, a lot of them are kind of really on the money with what we're, we were really into at that time. And we're still into it, you know? So that was pretty cool to go back and listen to those and kind of jam around on them and be like, okay, well, I mean, you know... When the next album comes and we're ready to do it, um, we don't really feel like we have to start from scratch on everything, you know? Right, um, yeah, yeah. So that's cool. I mean, so we just kind of, we're kind of getting there right now. Um, you know, my brother's living out in Arizona now, so we can't really get together as often. Um, but when we do get together, we do, you know, get a lot of shit done. So yeah, that's, we, I, didn't, we, we, I didn't realize yeah, he had we, moved out there. Yeah, he's living out in um, Scottsdale now. Yeah, that makes it um, tough. Yeah, but I mean, like, when we get together, we plan out, like, you know, we'll get together for, like, a week, and, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, you get get a lot of shit done, you know, and all you're doing is, you know, you got, like, a week together, and you got a lot of stuff you need to hammer out, and you can really focus, you know, and, and get some stuff done. So, yeah, man, um, you know, the writing process is just kind of however it goes, really, for us. We don't really have a set-in-stone way. Um, pretty much every way you described Kevin's band is kind of how we are. Yeah. You know, like maybe, maybe it's a riff here, maybe it's a bass riff. Uh, we, we don't really pre-write songs and then bring them in, you know, like okay. kind of, it's, it's more like ideas, you know, and yeah. maybe a little riff and then the little riff turns into everybody playing, you know, and then we'll fine tune it from there and then figure out how to, you know, with, how we want to end it and, I love it. It's beautiful, man. This it's really like I said. I'm so jealous of that stuff. It just, you know, you talk about like using your phones or recordings and stuff. Like back when that band, My Remains, was playing, none of that shit existed. So like, I literally have old VHS tapes from a huge camcorder where it sounds like dog shit because the speaker or the the microphone couldn't (laughs) handle what they were playing. But like, I. just sitting there in awe of what they were doing. And man, I have all this, I have so much footage that they, those guys don't even realize I have from that time. And that's just great memories. Um, so yeah, it's really cool thing. I got, okay. Songwriting. We're talking about it. I told you in a text, I really, I'm really curious about Shanghai surprise. Like (laughs) I love all your guys songs, but I remember the first time I heard that I was like, wait, did he just say what I think he said? I had to like start the song over. So people that don't know, We'll read a few of the lyrics. Who is this lady driving me crazy? It's time for me to make a move. Something is wrong here. Something ain't right. You got me clinging to a sneaky suspicion. And it goes on to say, something in her pocket is pointed at me. Have I gone crazy? That's not a lady. (laughs) I was cracking up. I was like, okay, now I got to know where this song came from. Like, is this a real life experience that happened? Is it just something that you thought of? Like, I got to know the background of this song. Yeah, that's a pretty good one, man. Yes, it um, is. Yeah, no, that's uh that's a funny story that I heard when I was bartending okay. down in uh, down in Deep Ellum. And uh 
one of my regulars was telling me this big grand fucking story about this guy who, you know, he's just fucked up and he, uh, yeah, he basically was just falling in love with this girl and he was trying to tell him, he was trying to tell his buddy that that's not a, that is a dude. And he was so fucked up that he was just like, there's, there's just no way. There's just no way, yeah. you know? And, and this guy's just completely hammered. He's like, I'm, this is, this is my, you know, dream woman and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so anyways, like, yeah, like everything that happened, happened. And he kind of fell out of his chair and was completely <laughs> in shock. And I guess it was just whole scene. And yeah. So I, uh, you know, that's, that was just kind of a fun song that, you know, again, it's just a bar story. Yeah. Just listen, listen, you know, bartending was great. You could hear people telling their stories every single day. And I would kind of, every now and then I'd get one where I was just like, man, that would just be a funny fucking song. You that's know? great. So. Dude. I played that for guys I work with that like, aren't really even to rock and roll. I was like, just, you gotta li- wait, listen to the chorus. You gotta listen, dude. And they would start cracking <laughs> up. It's good. All right. How about, yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. Do you have any, like, do you have a, favorite song to play a favorite song you wrote um or maybe just a song that's not even yours that you love to play oh man um you know i i think my i think one of my favorite songs is um i have sphinx nice i Um, actually have that queued up to play on the outro of this interview yeah there's just something cool about that lyrical content and uh the groove on the verses and um, I I just really, I really enjoy that song. Um, You know, but I I don't know, like, I guess it's funny. Like every time we'd go on tour, I'd have a new favorite song in my head, you know, that I couldn't wait to play it during the set or whatever. Um, Yeah. I, uh, I, I enjoy, you know, a lot of the songs we've played so many times at this point that, you know, they're, we almost sometimes kind of improvise things sometimes and just, on the fly, the song just gets better over time as you play it, you know? So a lot of the times, a lot of the songs we play, you know, to this day that are like, you know, eight, nine years old, 10 years old, you know, like it's definitely a different, it's the same song, but you know, there's a lot of different things happening when when we're playing it, you know? Yeah. It's evolved. Maybe, maybe it's evolved. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. You know, we're, we're playing it tighter. We might be, you know, dueling these parts we may have you know we may have double vocals on the choruses and a lot of shit where we've learned to like harmonize better over the years um you know just little things that you just you just do you know you don't really tell anyone you're gonna do it you just kind of do it on stage right and, um, yeah. yeah yeah but i, I there, there, there's a lot of them and every album's got different ones i like to, i like i like to play ellen and Mike's play Ellen off the first one. I yep. like that song a lot. That's a good one. And I, I think I told you that, that was actually the first song that we wrote with judge. Oh really? Um, yeah, we, we, uh, that was the first one I think we completed together. Um, so that one's got a special place, you know, that was kind of the first one we all wrote as this, you know, as a mothership, you know, so that's cool, man. You'll have to go kind of back and check that out again. And just knowing that information, um, one that you know, I love, and I actually, you, I don't know if you remember, but at Trees that night, we were outside, and I was like, hey, are you going to play Cosmic Rain? Because that's one of my favorite songs. You're like, oh, you got to wait and see, you know? And <laughs> I, th- I actually dug that, that you would not tell me that you wanted it to be a surprise. Oh, like, yeah, I don't the, tell people what we're going to play. I don't do that. That's I cool. I, I, I dig I, that. I, no. We don't even, we don't post, I, I know Clutch posts their tour set list and stuff, like, We've never really ever done that. Occasionally, we'll write down set lists, especially if it's longer. Like at Trees that night, we had played a two-hour set. Like, of course, you got to write the set list down. But right. when we first started playing, we never did set lists. And, it, and I think it pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, man, where's your fucking set list at, man? And we're like, we don't really use them. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, you people know, want like, to take those home with them. Yeah, they wanted to take them home. So we kind of got hit with that after, you know, you, you know, you figure out a thing or two over the years. And so I was just like, you know, all right, well, let's just fucking make set lists, you know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, it kind of, it kind of evolved, you know, like anything, like we started playing longer sets and we needed to have a set list. We needed to know when the guitar tech was going to change the guitars. We needed True. to know a lot, a lot of things that needed to be like, you know, written down. So what didn't look like a clusterfuck on stage. Right, you right. Know? Yeah. I actually have a, a, I got a set list from slaughter man in 1995, probably they're playing a Shreveport. Mm-hmm. 
And I, so I have, yeah, I'm sure you really give a shit about Slaughter, but you know, in my day, that was a big band. Yeah. And I mean, like getting a set list is cool, man. I mean, yeah. I, you know, like I said, we were just, we would rehearse that set so much in the early days when we'd go on tour, it'd be so tight. We didn't really have to have a set list. We knew what we were going to play. Yeah. Know? It makes so. sense. Yeah. All right. A couple more things, man. So I do want to mention like for our, our listeners, hopefully some of our listeners that don't know about you will check you out, buy some albums, maybe get a chance to go see you someday. You guys are a fun band to watch live. And that's important to me. I always tell people like, I don't want to go to a concert and it just be like, listen to the album. Like I want a freaking show. Um, mm-hmm. and you guys put on a hell of a show. Like you guys work the stage, your brother's a nut on stage. Like, I love that. Like he's got the big chest tattoo and he is like all his emotions are coming out in that guitar and same with you playing bass uh it's just a blast to watch like it makes me have fun at a concert watching you guys play and i think that's really important is that just come naturally or is that something you've had to work on your stage presence yeah i mean that's uh yeah the stage presence thing is something you always have to be working on yeah um you know like I think it, I think it does come naturally to want to be a performer and to want to perform on stage and put on a good show and, and not be like so nervous. You can't go in front of people. Like we enjoy the energy from the crowd and the rush of being on stage, but there are certain parts of stage that you need to practice and rehearse to get, you know, like staging and where you need to be in this part or whatever, you know? And, um, you know, like we, uh, I mean, and really honestly, my brother just takes off and, I just kind of follow his lead, man. If he goes up to the, if he goes up to the front, I'll kind of boogie over next to him over there. You know, like we'll just kind of play off of each other and, you know, just kind of feel what we're, what we're doing. But, um, yeah, for the most part, you know, I think we, we are very comfortable in being up there, but we also know it's very important to put on a show and people yep. don't want to watch the album live. They want to, they want to have an experience and we want them to be into it because it's hard to get into it when, people aren't into it, you know? And um, if we can get people motivated and pumped up in the crowd and, you know, jumping around and making noise and headbanging and mosh pitting or whatever the fuck, well, then we're just going to keep playing harder, you know? So it just goes, it goes, it goes back and forth, you know? And, um, you know, that, that to me is a good rock band. You know, anyone can go in the studio and spend thousands and thousands of dollars and put out something that's incredible and makes you sound larger than life. And then you go watch them play and you're just kind of like, eh, yep. You know, been there, whatever, you know, that's cool to listen to, but I'll never go see him again or whatever. But we're always like, you know, we, we want, we would much rather have people come out to our shows and hang out with us and, and sing along with us. And, you know, then, of course, album sales are important, but you know we, we want you to come see the show and then buy the record at the show or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I will say that you're a band that needs to be seen live. Like the albums are fantastic, but the live performance is where you guys excel. And uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely worth checking you, checking you guys out if, if anybody gets a chance to. It's a lot of fun. Um, two more questions, and really not Mothership-related. Do you have a favorite concert you've ever been to or... Or even just like a favorite idol that you've met, like you know a band, whether it be Dimebag. I assume you guys met Dimebag, you know, before he passed away. Um, just a, a favorite, but I think I really want to know favorite concert. Do you have a favorite concert you've ever been to? Mm. <sighs> see, Let's see here. I'll tell you um, that for me, it's tough because I feel like there's, well, there's different just different categories. Yeah, there's different. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, like, okay, um, well, I'll, I'll give you, like, maybe, like, two or three. Okay. You know, like... Um, I like that. Because it's hard for me to just say one, but um, <clears throat> I would say one of them is it was the Metal Masters Tour. It was Testament, Motorhead, Heaven and Hell, and Judas Priest. Wow, good lineup. Fantastic and lineup. Motorhead played seconds. And Motorhead played in front of the, they played, you know, as the opening band. So they were in front of the main curtain, Mm. which was very like awesome to see, you know, with a massive like snaggletooth backdrop and then Mickey D's on like a 50 foot drum riser. And like, they're putting on this massive production as the opening band. Um, 
So like, I'll never forget that because like, to me, like that was just so fucking rock and roll and they kicked so much ass and the sun was still out. And like, it was just like, they could have been headlining that, you know what I mean? But then like heaven and hell comes on and they're just like playing in front of a fucking graveyard with like 75 foot gargoyles blasting like purple smoke onto the crowd. I mean, it was gnarly. Um, so that from like a rock and roll, like larger than life, like what I would like, I vision like, if someone told us like, here's a blank check, whatever you want to like put on this gnarly stage performance, like lights and everything. Like I, I think of that show yeah, okay. as like, as like shit that I would love to, I'd love to play a show with all that going on. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that shit. Another one, which is a funny one is I saw ZZ top with Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a shifting gears. And, uh, and that's funny because you could pick the ZZ Top fans out of this crowd. Like, I mean, there was so fucking obvious, you know, uh, long-haired, you know, biker, rock and roll-looking people, and then you got all these other people with their flower shirts on and their swimsuits, <laughs> and their and and like it was the dynamic was fucking insane. I was like, and, and we, and it was just me and my brother, and I was like, I just feel like this is going to be a crazy show for some reason, you know, like both these band, both the performers are, are huge in their own perspective right so it's yeah. like the fact that they came together kind of blew my mind and dude there were so many fucking beach balls like there was literally a thousand fucking beach balls going <laughs> the, the whole night you couldn't even drink your beer yeah. without having a spotter looking <laughs> up to make sure that you're i mean it felt like you're in a fucking war zone and and it was it was it was the whole dynamic and everything and ZZ Top opened and just disintegrated the whole fucking place. I mean, like, had all these fucking people just, you know, but all the people that are Buffett fans, there's ZZ Top fans, and, like, it was just, like, I mean, it was it was wild, man. That's that cool. Was That's a, a cool one. experience, yeah. Um, but I also like the, the smaller shows I've seen, like, you know, going and seeing, like, Johnny Winter play the blues in, like, a small fucking bar, you know? Yeah. And just wa- watching, like, a legend on stage play in front of like 150 people or something and just being like, damn, you know, like this dude is one of the great, greatest guitar player, blues players ever. And you're getting to watch him before he dies. Yeah. You know? An intimate so. setting. Yeah. That's, that's, I, it's always kind of a trick question when I ask that. Cause there are, I've been asked that, like I said, I have depending on, depending on the category almost, you know, was it the best show? Was it the best musically? Uh, you know, I, I, I this you may laugh at me a little bit, but like Great White is one of my all time favorite bands. So seeing Jack Russell and Great White at a little bar with Lita Ford with fifty people, it's one of my favorite shows ever. But then yeah, seeing Kiss in ninety seven in the reunion tour, all the original members, I'm not even that big of a Kiss fan musically, but the show was probably the best show I've ever seen. And you know, so then I got to see Madonna and like didn't give a shit about Madonna until I saw her live. And I was like, holy shit. So mm-hmm. yeah, it just, I guess it just depends on the moment, but I, I like that you gave me a few that stand out. Oh, there's one more. There's okay. One, I was trying to think of this, but, and it always involves me and my brother. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> Partners in crime, man. Partners in crime, dude. So anyways, we found out, okay, so ACDC is playing American Airlines Center in Dallas. And, we're like, I'm like, we're going, we're going to figure out a way to go. We have to go. Like who knows if they're going to play again, blah, blah, blah. Um, so anyways, we figure out, we found somebody who had extra working passes and they're like, they're like, Hey, we can get you these working passes, but if you're kind of on your own, like you can't, you can't, you know, you tell them where you got them from. If you get caught, you got to leave. I mean, you can kind of just see how far down the rabbit hole you can get. And we got these working passes, man. And we got all the way down through all the fucking shit into like the backstage area where we're like, we were looking at the ACDC fucking cases. Hell yeah. We're like, we're, we're like touching the ACDC cases. <laughs> we're like, wait, you're like, give me some of this fucking mojo. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just like yeah. have, having a good time. And we somehow pop out right next to the fucking, the, um, the catwalk. And like, we're like, basically like right there. And I'm like, okay, well we can't stand here the whole time. So let's just walk around this catwalk and just keep walking as if we're like working. Right. Dude, no one said 
anything to us. I mean, it was hilarious. We're watching Angus Young from like five feet away, ripping solos. It was loud as fuck. Um, and, you know, and like we, I, I don't even know. I think we like, we found some beers, but we had to be smart. So we'd like, we'd go shotgun them or chug them and leave them like in the hallway. So we weren't walking around with them, but we'd take like little breaks to go drink and then yeah. come back. And it just felt like we were just full blown, like Jason Bourne secret agent <laughs> shit that's like, great you know to- totally infiltrated the camp and like uh, i think i remember seeing like a buddy of mine he was he was he worked into a booking stuff and he's like he looked at me like how the fuck are you back here but also like i i it, it doesn't surprise me that you're back yeah. here you know what i'm yeah, kind of yeah. thinking yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> was- act like you belong Right, yeah, but I mean, we, you know, yeah. that's, we kind of manifested that whole night. It was pretty crazy how it all worked out. Um, that's a great story. But man. watching, but watching ACDC that close, man, that shit is, that shit's like, yeah, that was crazy. That's that was sick, awesome. man. All right, last yeah. question. This is a personality question that I, you know, I do motocross podcasts. I ask a lot. Just this, this really, this is going to define who you are as a human being. Okay. Oh fuck! Let me take a drink of beer real quick. All right, do it. Tell me when you're ready. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Go for it. When you put a new roll of toilet paper on the dispenser thing, does the paper go over the top towards the front or towards the back against the wall? Oh, hang on. Let me check and see. Oh, shit. You don't even know? There's only well, one, I mean, I, there's only one I just, right answer. I mean, I'm just trying. It, it comes down over the front. Perfect. That's the, that's the right answer. You're a good human being. I mean, why would you do it the other way? I don't fucking know, but people do. My chick does it that way. And I'm like, you can't even get to it. Yeah, it's like it needs to like naturally roll down. I agree. Like, like if you put your hand on it, I'm doing it right now. Like it, that, <laughs> any other way, like yeah, she puts it against I, the I, wall. I think, I think I had an ex that had like a cat that would fuck with it, so she did it up against the wall, so it was like harder for the cat to just get that thing going like oh, sixty shit, miles right, an hour. Right. Yeah. So like that made sense. Well, she, but my, my chick's got cats too. Maybe maybe that makes sense then. Okay, so cat people are just weird, which we already know. Well, that. I mean, well, I mean, honestly, like it's kind of smart if the cat's just going to ruin a whole role, and then yeah. it, and then it tries to do it and it doesn't work and it just quits, like most cats do, right? It's like oh, I'm done with this. I'm bored. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. that's the whole. Maybe that's the reason behind it, bro. It, I mean, it who could knows? Be. I guess I need that. Yeah. Well, hey, man. This was a lot of fun, dude, and I really had a blast, and um, I'm glad that you were willing to do it. Um, man, yeah. Yeah, man, I mean, like, it's really cool to talk about, you know, music stuff. And yeah. Like, we're getting getting it going. We're about to announce some, some killer shit here pretty soon. We're working on some stuff, um, maybe some tours. Hell Definitely yeah. talking about doing another album. Um, you know, like, honestly, like, we're just kind of happy. It just feels good to be talking about stuff again you know because for so long there were so many unknowns and we didn't really know what was going to fucking happen all we knew is we didn't we didn't want to fucking do live shows that's it or from the goddamn internet you know yeah. we did it one time yeah i know we did it one time and i was like that's it you that know, was actually anymore that was actually the first time i saw you guys play that's what i think kevin shared that that's where i saw you guys the first time he shared that and that's yeah, that what was how, an interesting yeah that was like flying to the flying to the moon for the first time like we had <laughs> cords all over the fucking yep. place we were driving around town trying to find these two pieces so we could hook together to <laughs> stream the fucking thing like i mean it was chaos right well but um it worked out for you know me. so it was, it's nice to see shows coming back and yeah um you know we're we're gonna be playing uh <clears throat> we're gonna be figuring out some dallas fort worth stuff so <clears throat> i don't know where your listeners are at i mean is it mostly local is it now, global? all over like, the country man we we got about five thousand downloads a week on the motocross stuff we got cool, guys all, cool. I mean, Australia, New Zealand, all over, but uh, yeah, all over the U.S. Well, that's great, man. I mean, like, yeah, anyone listening, just, you know, hit us up on the social media stuff and we're going to be posting some shows and hopefully getting back on the road here pretty soon get some new music out there. I know everybody's chomping at the bit. Like I am, we're, 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 we are too. We just ready to kind of get into a headspace where we can, the world isn't falling apart kind of shit, you know what I yeah. mean? So. So I think we're getting there, man. Well, yeah, I, appreciate I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I can't wait to hear some new stuff. I need some more Mothership on vinyl. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, guys, check them out. It's uh, Mothership USA on Instagram, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. that's the best way, best way to find all the info is just to go there. Yeah, so. check that out. And you guys hang tight. And check out I have Sphinx. It's up next.
Brasil. 